Hello and welcome to today's episode of the ABCs, Authors Between the Covers. What makes successful authors tick? What does it take to sell that manuscript? Is self-publishing a good option? Or is selling your book to a big publishing house still the only way to fly? What about keeping up with your first big success? We'll talk about all this and more on today's show, hosted by journalist and publisher Hope Katz Gibbs, author of Truly Amazing Women Who Are Changing the World and PR Rules, The Playbook. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Authors Between the Covers on the Incandescent Radio Network. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, host of the show and creator of Incandescent PR and Publishing. Thrilled beyond belief to be here with amazing award-winning teacher and author, Philip Doan. How are you, Phil? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me, Hope. I am so happy to be speaking with you today. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I have to tell the audience, well, first you're in Hungary, so you're going to have to tell us all about that. But I want to tell the audience that we met in 2005. Somehow I found your first book. We're still trying to remember how. 32 third graders in one class funny, which is behind you. Um, My kids were in elementary school at the time. And I was the communications director of the city of Fairfax schools in Northern Virginia. And I think I read your book in one sitting. It made me laugh. It made me cry. I was reading passages to people. I bought I bought dozens of them and sent them to everyone I knew because it was so poignant and perfect if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're a kid. Um, So I'm just thrilled to be talking to you today and also to be talking about your newest book, which is coming out July 26, 2022, called The Art of Teaching Children. So tell us about this book. Well, About three years ago, I retired from the classroom after 33 years of teaching elementary school. And I wanted to do something for the teaching profession. And I also wanted to write another book. I thought, I have one more book in me. I want to write something. And it came to me, I'm a retired teacher now. Why don't I take everything I've learned about teaching children and put it all in one book to help teachers. And along with that, as you know, teachers have had a rough time the last few years, you know, it's, it's been rough. And so I wanted to give teachers help and support and guidance and a shot in the arm. And this was my way to do it. So it was, it was retiring from the classroom that gave me the idea, aha, let's write a book from the perspective of a retired teacher because it really has not been done before in elementary. My first book was, of course, when I was teaching and it's humorous and heartwarming stories from the classroom like you so kindly just shared. And also my second book was that way, but but this is different. This is now after 33 years looking back, what have I learned? What's important? What do you really need to know? So that's how it came to be. That's amazing. Uh, So tell us a little bit about, dive into the chapters. I could talk about it, but I'd rather it come from you. What are some of your biggest tips for teaching? Some of my biggest tips for teaching? Ah. Now that could take hours because the book, the whole book is tips for teaching. But one of the things I would say right away, and I write about this in the book, is it's very important to establish relationships with the children. It's really all about connection and connecting with the kids. 
if you don't establish a rapport with those children, uh, they're not as apt to learn or to buy into what, what you're trying to accomplish. So I would say way up there in priorities is establishing a rapport with children. Now, as we enter, uh, well, we're not quite into the back to school season, but we will be soon. Uh, for, for new teachers, and I know that the veterans would agree with this too, uh, it's very important to spend a lot of time in the beginning of the school year, and I'm speaking mainly to the new teachers here, on classroom management. You have to spend a lot of time on classroom management. Um, if you want a smooth sailing classroom, uh, spend the time on the rules, spend the time on the routines. And now it may seem like overkill to practice lining up or to practice moving from your seat to the reading rug and all of that, but it is so important. Uh, you know, I always say that classrooms and uh, ships are, are similar. You, they, they both run better on smooth waters. So classroom management. Um, as far as curriculum, uh, and, and I address lots of curricular areas in the book, uh, I would say, you know, uh, one of the things you, you just don't want to give up and you want to make time for daily is reading aloud. Now, we all know the benefits of reading aloud. You know, teachers are trained in that. Parents know it, too. But one, one thing I find that parents and teachers might not think about in relation to the importance of reading aloud is that by reading aloud to kids every day, you're also teaching them how to write. And when I say this to groups of parents, I always see a little aha, because you're sharing the language with them. They're hearing uh, great phrasing and great dialogue and, and proper grammar. And so, uh, you know, eventually they're going to absorb that and put it into their own writing. So reading aloud has tremendous benefits. One other tip that I would give as we enter the back to school season next month for teachers is also establish relationships with those parents. It's very important. When you think about it, elementary school teachers have more parents to work with than kids. You know, if you have two parents in a family, sometimes we don't, of course, but you, you're, you might have twice as many parents as children. So those relationships are very important. Make sure your first interaction with every parent in the beginning of the year is a positive one. That's very important. So those are some of the tips. I, I could go on. I've got hundreds and hundreds, but those are some of the first ones that come to mind. And people need to buy the book so that they can absolutely see that, <laughs> see all of the, uh, the tips. What, what tips do you have for parents? I do. Uh, let, me, let me say this. Uh, the book is not just for teachers. It is for aspiring teachers and new teachers, as well as veteran teachers. But it is also for parents. And I'm getting quite a bit of feedback from parents already. I sent some advanced galley copies out to uh, parents of students I had had. And the common thread I'm hearing is, Phil, do you know that this is just as valuable for parents? Parents want to know how to do it too. So some tips for parents that I would give, especially in the beginning of the school year, are I'm going to give you some practical ones uh, for the start of the year. Number one, leave the teacher alone the first few days of school. 
I'll tell you why. Those teachers are completely overwhelmed. They're trying to learn your kids. You don't need to go in day one, you know, to talk about the kids. Just give them a few days. They'll reach out to you or you can reach out to them, but give them the breather the first few days. Let them know, let them get to know your children. Number two, email. This is very important. And I always say this at back to school night. Email is not for addressing a concern. If you have a concern about your student, any kind of concern, don't get into it over email. Just ask the teacher if you could make an appointment or schedule a conference. Email, as I tell my parents, is for my child is going to be late for school today and the lunch is in the office. That's it. Don't get into concerns. Make an appointment for that. Um, unfortunately, some new teachers don't do this. You know, they want to get along with the parents, so they feel that they need to get in these interactions over email, and, and then it can just become a real mess. I've seen it time and time again. Be, be careful about email. Number three, teacher appreciation to show teacher appreciation, don't just wait for teacher appreciation week, which is lovely, but show some appreciation outside of teacher appreciation week. And I'll tell you the number one way to show teachers appreciation. It's not a coffee mug. <laughs> it's not a bath set. It's a handwritten note. Now, I had a conversation, I write about this in the book with a friend of mine. And she was raving, just going on about her son's second grade teacher. She loved her. And I said to her, I said, have you written her a note? And she absolutely got wide-eyed and said, I didn't even think of it. And I said, send her a note, but, 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 but don't email her, <laughs> write the note. That teacher, for that teacher, it just made her day. And my friend came back to me and said, uh, you were absolutely right. Teachers save the notes. Now I'll tell you why a handwritten note. You know, it's, it's easy to send the email, you know, thanks for what you do. And that's very appreciated. But that handwritten note just ramps it up to a different level. And believe me, teachers save them. There's nothing better you can give teachers than, than the handwritten note. That's awesome and beautiful, beautiful advice. Thank you for that. Now let's yeah. talk a little bit about Phil. So you have won a gazillion awards. Tell us about that. Oh, well, that's sweet. Um, I, um, I was very, very fortunate in my career. I had fantastic schools and um, some excellent administrators who allowed me to flourish and uh, become the teacher I wanted to be and terrific students and parents. And I always say, you know, you, you, you need the support from those administrators, parents and students um, in, in order to stay in the game. And, and you need it in at least two areas. In fact, I'll answer your question in a second, but that's why some teachers leave the profession is, you know, they, they don't have the support from the groups that they need it from. So um, I was fortunate early in my career to be honored as a teacher of the year in my area in California, um, which is lovely. And then um, I won, we have an award in the Bay Area of California where I'm originally from. I'm mainly a California public school teacher, um, though I've taught internationally. Uh, and I was 
uh, honored to win um, the Charles Schwab uh, Distinguished Teacher Award, um, which was terrific, from Charles Schwab himself. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit more about your career now. I want to know, like, what got you interested in being a teacher to begin with? Did you know you were going to have this trajectory, this amazing career? And what got you to Hungary? Okay. I knew I wanted to be a teacher when I was in second grade with Miss Greco. As many teachers, many teachers become teachers because of a teacher they were inspired by. And that was my story. Uh, I also had her for third grade. I was absolutely in love with her. I would go home and play school with all of her worksheets. You know, my poor brother, and I would make him be my student. And so I knew, I knew in third grade, second and third grade, I wanted to be a teacher and I wanted to be one just like Miss Greco. So that was the course I took. I knew early on, I tell my parents at back to school night, or I told them, I said, how many of your kids uh, play school? And, you know, hands go up. And then I look at them and say, you know, your kids are going to be teachers. That's the one common thread that elementary school teachers have is they played school. Okay, so I knew I wanted to be a teacher and then I went through my training. Um, and then uh, after about nine or 10 years, let's see, no, uh, no, sorry, sorry. After nine years, I switched districts. I went to a different district in California, public schools. Uh, but then after about 15 years, I, I got hankering to, to do something else. And uh, I'd always wanted to, live overseas. And uh, then I talked to my principal who had taught overseas. It was an unknown world to me. And it is an unknown world to many teachers. Uh, there's a whole world out there of international schools. And I'm not talking military schools. I'm talking American international schools all over the world. And this was pre-internet. So I had to get the you know, the newspaper copy and look at the ads. And then I applied and eventually I got a job teaching at the American International School of Budapest. And there they say Budapest. So uh, that's why I'm saying it that way. And I'm here now, we're zooming from Budapest. And um, I taught there uh, for several years. And then um, it was there that I wrote my first teacher book. And so I came back to California I taught more in public schools. I actually came back to promote the book and then I taught in public schools uh, again. And then um, I went back to Hungary to teach and then I've taught at other international schools including um, the American School of The Hague in the Netherlands. And um, then one other aspect uh, of my teaching career which I didn't really expect was about six or seven years ago, uh, I was in uh, Georgia at the time. I was living outside of Atlanta. And I thought it would be fun as a side teaching job to um, teach children uh, who are on set, teach child actors. Um, I'd heard about it, but I didn't know anything about that world. And, and I love the theater arts. And so I thought that would be perfect. And so I actually started as an onset teacher as well for um, some quite big shows with Netflix. Um, any, any show that has children in them, minors, for those children, you have to, they have to be in school for three hours a day, minimum. And so I did that and that was very exciting. And I still do that as, uh, on the side. 
That is so cool. Phil, you're the, you're the bomb. <laughs> so what's next for you? What's going on after the art of teaching children? Well, the big, the, the big next right now is, is the book. Um, all my focus is here because it comes out in two weeks, which I'm very excited about. And then depending on that, um, we'll see what happens. You know, it's like that Dr. Seuss book, you know, oh, the places you'll go. Um, I, when I had my first book come out, I never dreamed what would come about as that, you know, uh, the book was translated into Chinese and Korean, and then they want the audio book. And you just, you just don't know what's coming down the pipe. Uh, and so I'm excited about that. And so I'm, I'm really focused on that right now. After that, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll write something else. I just don't know. Do you miss being a teacher? I miss the kids. Absolutely. There are times I really miss the children. And any retired teacher that enjoyed teaching till the end will tell you that. Um, I do not miss the politics. I don't miss the staff meetings. <laughs> Any teacher will tell you that as well. I do not miss report card writing, you know, or staying up till 12 watching late night with a stack of papers on my lap. Um, but I miss the kids. And I'll tell you when I miss them. I miss them sometimes at certain benchmarks in the year, you know, um, December is a magical time with children. Uh, beginning of the school year is always just the greatest time of the year. Um, it's just, at certain times in the year. Oh, and oh, when I drive by a school and they're out on recess, yeah, then, then I get a heart tug. Super sweet. All right, I'm going to throw you a slight curveball. Can you pick up that book and read us a little tiny bit of the art of teaching children? Oh, Absolutely. So um, let's see. I, you know what I'm going to read to you? I'm, I'm going to pick a section from the, the halfway through the book. It's, uh, it's called Teachers as Artists. And I'll tell you why, as I'm looking for it, why I'm picking that essay. Um, I believe it's the anchor chapter for the book. We all hear the phrase, oh, teachers are artists. But that's about as far as we go with it. I've never read or heard anybody expound on that too much. And so before I wrote this essay, I, I really sat down and thought hard about it. What does that really mean? Um, I've never read it. So I thought, I'm going to write it. Let, let me, um, I'm going to skip the introductory paragraph, and since you just asked for a short bit, and get to um, a little more of the meat of the chapter. So this is this is an excerpt from Teachers as Artists, um, which is one of my personal favorites. If you read the book, you'll know. Hey, you know the author really really likes this chapter. Okay, it makes sense that so many artists had once been teachers. In the previous paragraph, I talk about many of the artists who had once been teachers. I mean, it's amazing, um, but I'll skip that part. Although teaching can be a science, teachers collect and analyze data. And also a craft, teachers can create anything out of a paper plate or an egg carton. It is mainly an art form. You can know all the data, but without artistry, 
your teaching can still fall flat. It's an art to know the right questions to ask, to know when to assist and when to stand back, and to be able to explain something in such a way that a child will understand. It's an art to create lessons about subjects that students might not care about, but need to learn. It's an art to read a child's feelings, to be able to win over a student who has built up walls and to bring out a shy child until she is comfortable participating in class. It's an art to be able to get a crying kindergartner into the classroom on the first day of school, then ensure that he has a good day. It's an art to gauge the waning engagement in a room and know when to switch gears to restore it. It's an art to convince children that events that occurred before they were born are more important than what's happening on their phones. That is so great. And gosh, there's just so much to all of that, right? Yeah, <laughs> Phones absolutely. and pandemic and... Uh, and, and I really, I, I just want to add one more thing. I start the book with a quote by John Steinbeck. If I may, can I read the quote? Of course. I'll tell you why, because it ties into that. John Steinbeck wrote this, and this was also something that helped me with my focus of the book. John Steinbeck once wrote, I have come to believe that a great teacher is a great artist and that there are as few as there are any other great artists. Teaching might even be the greatest of the arts since the medium is the human mind and spirit. That drove me, that drove me, that quote, because I firmly believe it. Yeah, well, so true. And everything changes, right? Best of times, worst of times, we, you know, but teachers just keep going and sort of kids, yeah. just beautiful, beautiful. Phil, I can't thank you enough for your time. I can't wait to keep up with you. I want to see how this book goes. It is on audio. Both of your books are audio books and you can get them on Amazon or other yeah. fantastic places. So thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. Best of luck to this amazing book and to you. Thank keep you. Writing. Thank you for having me, Hope. It's All so right. good to talk with you. You too, you too. All right, everyone. Phil Doan, amazing award-winning teacher and author. The art of teaching children is a must have as is 32 third graders in one class funny. So get his books and laugh and cry and hug your kids. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, Incandescent PR and Publishing. You are listening to the Authors Between the Covers show. We'll talk with you soon. That's it for today's episode of the ABCs, Authors Between the Covers, hosted by journalist and publisher Hope Katz Gibbs author of Truly Amazing Women Who Are Changing the World and PR Rules, The Playbook. Be sure to check back next week on the Incandescent Radio Network for another interview with a successful author who is happy to share their story. Here's to writing your heart out and keeping your dreams alive. Thanks so much for listening.